You know, I've noticed this past week, and it just kind of uh, got my attention that looking back over the last number of weeks or months, that people are so tense and so stressed out that people don't even sleep through sermons much anymore. And <laughs> I tell you what, you've got to be stressed out not to sleep through a sermon because this is a day of tension. And uh, I'm glad you're here, and I hope that uh, a few things I have to say that the Lord might say through us will help keep you awake and help make us more alive than ever. Speaking of more alive than ever, how many of you heard or read this past week about the little dog out in New Mexico named Brownie? You hear about that? Okay, those of you who didn't hear about it, Brownie lives on a ranch out there and uh, the, the, the wife was leaving the house and accidentally ran over Brownie and they thought he was dead. They thought he was dead and so they buried him. Well, they were gone all day came back in the evening, and there, the front door, covered with dirt and dust, somewhat wounded, lost an eye and a shoulder, but as the vet looked at him later, no permanent harm done other than that, Brownie had come back to life. He decided he wasn't dead, and he wasn't gonna stay in that grave, and so, here he was, the grandmother on the ranch said, you know, we've had a lot of animals dying, we buried them. This is the first one ever to be resurrected. <laughs> and so they renamed the dog from Brownie to what? You saw the story. Lazarus, they named that dog Lazarus. Isn't that terrific? Well, let me remind you of uh, the story of Lazarus, if you're not familiar with it. It's in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. Lazarus was Jesus' friend. In fact, uh, Jesus stayed in the home of Lazarus and, and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, in Bethany, that little village three and a half miles uh, from the city of Jerusalem, just on the east side of the Mount of Olives. And so Lazarus had known Jesus. Jesus knew Lazarus. He loved the Lord and the Lord loved him. And Lazarus died while Jesus was away on a retreat with some of his disciples. And he got the word, went back, went to the grave, told the people to roll the stone away. They rolled the stone away from Lazarus' grave. Jesus prayed and cried in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says, he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with the grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And they loosed him and he went. You know where he went? Where they all went? They went down to the home of Simon the leper where they had a big, big resurrection party because Brownie had come back to life. Lazarus was alive and they celebrated it with a feast and a party. Lazarus heard the voice of Jesus calling. He could have stayed in that grave. When Brownie regained consciousness, he could have said, well, I guess I'm dead. I guess I'm supposed to stay here. Maybe this is what I'm destined to be and do. Nope. He said, I'm not dead. And he got up and came back to the house. Jesus called Lazarus to life. And he heard his voice. Lazarus heard Jesus' voice and he felt new life within him. He could have stayed there in the grave. He could have stayed there and suffocated in those grave clothes. He could have stayed there until he did die. He did not have the fullness of life that was rightfully his unless and until he responded to the call of Jesus, to the word of Jesus. 
And when he responded, he not only affirmed his life, he was delivered from all of those grave clothes that would have limited him and hindered him and kept him from the party. And I know people that I know are Christians. I know they've trusted the Lord as their savior. I know they have heard his voice in that personal way inside and they have said, yes, Lord, I love you. But they still have not responded to that. They've not come out of that old life into the new way and the new joy and the new fellowship and the new celebration that is rightfully the inheritance of all who have heard his voice and responded to him. Lazarus heard his voice and came out. Today, you have heard his voice in one way or another through the music that we've sung or the beautiful music that's been sung for us, the prayers, the scripture, or the words that are being said now. And the voice of God will use these words to speak at a deeper level than I can ever audibly speak. Now I must say to you, I've never heard Jesus audibly call my name. I don't question the fact that he has had that. He has done that in other people's lives. Maybe it's happened in your life. I don't doubt. God can do anything he wants to do, any way he wants to do it. So I don't have any doubt that he could do that, but it has not been my experience. I have never heard Jesus talk to me audibly. But I have felt down deep in my soul, deeper than I, can, than I can express to you in words, way down deep in the subterranean part of my own conscious mind and heart. I've had impressions that I know are from God and those impressions are louder to me than if Jesus were standing next to me and shouting in my ear. I have heard him with the ears of my spirit, the ears of my heart, and so can you. And that's the way he speaks to us. He speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through events. He speaks to us through other people. He speaks to us through his spirit, utilizing all kinds of methods and varieties of methods to communicate his word to us. But I'm saying to you today, the words that God said long ago in the book of Deuteronomy, I call heaven and earth to witness against you that today I have set before you life or death. You can come out of the grave or stay there. You can hear the call of Christ to life or you can stay there and miss the party and miss the joy, miss the freedom, miss the liberty that comes to the sons of God. Oh, that you would choose life. He can give you the gift, but if you won't take it, it's no gift. Oh, that you would choose to accept the gift, that you would choose life that you and your children, listen to that, you and your children might live. Look at the wonderful consequences of a positive response to God. Look what it does not only in your life, but in the lives of other people, the lives of your children and your children's children. That you may be blessed and that your children may be blessed and that they too might live and know this life. Choose to love the Lord your God and to obey him and to cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days. Today is my birthday, and I remember another birthday. I remember it very vividly. I was 10 years old. In the First Baptist Church in Dallas, my mother and my father, both devoted Christians, wonderful, fine, faithful Christians, active in the church, talked to me, we went to Sunday school and church every Sunday. Unless somebody was very sick, we were there for Sunday school and church. I want to emphasize that. I grew up where Sunday school and church was one word. 
And it's still one word. The Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all of the world and do what? Teach and preach. If you're not in both Sunday school and church, you're putting asunder what God's joined together. You're dividing what God wants and made in his Great Commission. We're handicapping ourselves if we're not in both Bible study and in praise and in fellowship. The two go together. Sunday school and church are one word. They were in my, lang- my, my experience and are in my language. We would never have thought of going to Sunday school and going home from missing church. We'd go with our Bible and our quarterly and that little envelope we'd fill out, you know, and check out here for this, 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 and that and the other thing. We were there. 10 years of age, God had begun to work in my heart and in my life and I talked to my mother and my father and they talked with me and I talked with my pastor, Dr. Truitt, and I accepted the Lord as my Savior and was baptized. 10 years later, at 20 years of age, after three and a half years in the Marine Corps and some experiences that God had used, as I look back now and see the voice of God in those experiences, called me to recommit my life to him and out of that a call to the ministry which I would never have chosen, never thought. I'm glad he chose me to do this. But it came as a response to God's initiative and God's grace. And it came because I had heard early and often the word of God. And I cannot emphasize enough, I'm going to take a few moments to try to do that. I cannot emphasize enough to you young parents here how important it is that your child hear the word of God early and often in their lives. I wish you'd look at your little child. Look at them as a a new house with blank walls inside the room. Nothing on the walls. Something is going to be put there. Some impressions are going to be put there. Some images that they see are going to be projected there. And they're going to be there all of their life. I can guarantee you that a lot of the images that will be projected there will be detrimental and harmful television, the world in which we live, events that happen, words they hear, that happen at the school or wherever, they're gonna be there on the wall of their mind. It is imperative, it is imperative, it is absolutely essential that you and I place on the walls of the hearts of our little children Bible stories, Bible pictures. That's what we tell in Bible study. That's what we tell in Sunday school. That's what we talk about in extended session. Pictures to hang on the wall of their little mind that will be there always to help interpret those other images that come, those other voices that are heard. It is essential that those images, those pictures, those truths be placed there early for as the twig is bent. It is essential that it be done. Every now and then I hear somebody uh, report to me that someone has said, uh, I want to, I want to, speak for a few moments to young couples here with small children. And I speak to you as a, as a loving grandfather. And I want to say to you that Sunday school and church never hurt Martha and me. And Sunday school and church never hurt Mike, Steve, and Lisa. And Sunday school and church together every Sunday is not going to hurt your child. In fact, if they don't have it, it's going to harm them. I hear couples every now and then say, well, Sunday school and church together is too long for a child to be left in the nursery. Come on. That's two hours and 30 minutes. Total of two hours and 30 minutes. And during that two hours and 30 minutes, they're hearing Bible stories and they're singing and they're making little things that will remind them of the gospel. 
It's interesting that some of the same parents that maybe have said that statement bring their children to Mother's Day out where they stay five hours. No Bible stories, and they pay to do that. You don't pay to come to Sunday school. Or parents' night out, five hours. No Bible study. No scripture. Babysitting. And you pay to do that. So don't talk about two and a half hours hurting your child, too long for your child to be in Sunday school and church. And I must say, as a, having pastored these 35 years here and been through all kinds of experiences with all kinds of people, I want to caution you about this. This is no threat. It's just a statement of a fact. If you use your child as an excuse for your not being in Sunday school and church on Sunday, don't be surprised that when they get grown, they don't use your example as an excuse for not going. Because what you are speaks louder than what you say. Let me give you another example. When your son or daughter gets to the seventh grade, as an example, in the seventh grade, just that nine-month period, seventh grade, they're there seven hours a day. That's a, that's a total of 1,260 hours in that one school year. 1,260 hours. The American Academy of Pediatrics says that the average child watches television 1,300 hours each year. Now, if your child lives in your home from the day he or she is born until the age 18, do you know how many days you will have with them? Days, days of opportunity, days of fun, days of fellowship, days of recreation, days of learning. Do you know how many days you will have from birth to 18? One, 6,570 days, that's it. 6,570 days. 936 Sundays, only 936 Sundays. Now, if they are here for two and a half hours on Sunday morning, if they're here for both Sunday school and church, every Sunday from the time they're born until they're 18, every Sunday, if they're here two and a half hours every Sunday morning until they're age 18, do you know how many hours they'll be in church? 1,872. They will have spent in one school year 1,260 hours in school and possibly watched 1,300 hours of television. They will have spent 2,560 hours in that one year getting pictures on their mind that they won't get unless they come to Sunday school. Pictures that can be detrimental and harmful to them if not offset by what they're taught and they hear and they see in Sunday school and church. Precious, precious little time. To emphasize that even further, suppose the day you're born, you're given $36,500 and you say you can spend $1 every year and you're going to live to be 100. Well, you might say, I've got to be pretty careful with that $1. I've got to be sure I spend it for something important. Only have $36,500 and we'll live to be 100. Forget the dollars. That's how many days you'll have you'll have 36,500 days from day birth to 100 years of age. That's why the Bible is so insistent upon today is the day and now is the time. Today is the day to hear his voice. 
Now is the time to hear his voice for yourself and as Deuteronomy says, for your children. But also I need to, I need to say to you that some here maybe have never heard until this morning Maybe somebody in this room has never heard about Jesus Christ, never heard of Lazarus, never heard about the book of Deuteronomy, never been in church a day in your life, never had a spiritual thought a day in your life. Listen, please listen to me. It doesn't make any difference who you are, where you're coming from, what you are or what you have been. You can hear his voice today and he will save you. He will forgive you. He will call you out of a dead past into a living present. He will get rid of all the old dead grave clothes that have been hindering and handicapping your life and he will liberate you and set you free in Christ. If this is the first time you've ever heard the word of God and the spirit of God has ever touched your heart, You've never heard it. You had no childhood experiences in Sunday school or church. For whatever reason, you were denied or deprived those. You can hear him today and you can respond to him today and your life can be changed today by the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And I urge you to do that today. If you never have, it's never too late to hear him call. I had a wonderful experience yesterday. I was invited to deliver the commencement address for the Blessed Sacrament Academy Second Chance High School. Now, I don't know whether you've heard about that or not. It's been in existence for a number of years. The Blessed Sacrament Academy Second Chance High School. And yesterday afternoon, I went out to their facility on Mission Road and I delivered the commencement address. It was a fantastic experience of inspiration for me. About 20, 25 uh, young people in this class. Now these are kids that have been dropped out of high school, dropped out of high school, kicked out of high school, been in the juvenile detention center, had all kinds of problems, you name it, they'd had it. And this school is there to help kids have a second chance to get that high school degree, high school diploma. And I was there and I spoke uh, to them. And I'll tell you in a moment what I talked about. But after I spoke, I called the names of each one of them. They came across cap gown, had the whole, had the whole graduation affair. Had, we proceeded in and we had the ceremony and afterwards we had refreshments and all, family and friends there, people with cameras and all. It was a remarkable experience. These 20 or 25 uh, young people got their degree. They came across and they were handed their high school diploma and I had the privilege of being a part of that. And they, then the principal of the school said, we do not have a valedictorian in this class. We never do. We think everybody in this class is a valedictorian. And so we want any of you who want to to come up here and say whatever you would say. Normally, the valedictorian makes a talk, a speech, or something at a high school graduation. All of you are valedictorians. You, start, you come as you would like. There was a few moments pause. And a beautiful, simply beautiful girl, long black hair, walked up there, and you could tell how nervous she was. And she started to speak in English, and then she said, I, 
I can say it better in Spanish. I said, say it in Spanish. And so the sister sitting next to me interpreted it for me so I could understand it clearly. She said, I wouldn't be here if it were not for my mother who loved me and believed in me. I would not be here had it not been for this school and these teachers who loved me and believed in me. And I thank all of you. Great, big old long tall guy came up there and he said, I came here just because I wanted to play basketball. And I stayed and I got an education. And I've already enlisted in the Marine Corps. Now that I have my diploma, I can go to the Marine Corps. And I plan to spend the rest of my life doing something useful. Three or four in that class had already enlisted in one branch of the service or another now that they have their high school diploma. And a kid came up there. He had an ear ring in his ear so big, I don't see how he could walk upright. <laughs> Can I walk like this? <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, I wouldn't be here if it was not for my mother. He said, I'd gotten kicked out of school. He said, I'd been in the juvenile detention center. They told me I couldn't come back to school. And she said to me, if you'll just go up there to that school just one day, all I'm asking you to do is just go one day. He said, I came one day. I've stayed now two years and I've gotten this diploma. And I want to thank my mother and I want to thank all my teachers and I want to thank all my gang members who are here to see me graduate. <laughs> so they didn't think I could do it and I'm here to say, guys, I did it and so can you. And they're sitting out there, five or six of these guys looking at each other kind of smiling like, he did it. He did it. And afterwards, I met one of the assistant teachers, not qualified yet to be a teacher because he got his diploma there two and a half years ago, went to Southwest Texas, been there for two years, and is back now going to finish at St. Mary's. And he is working there as a volunteer, as a kind of tutor to help these kids to encourage them as one who's a graduate, one who's made it, one who's come from the streets. And he said to me, I was the biggest drug dealer on the South Side until I came here. And he said, my life's been turned around. God has done great things in my life. And I want to try to help other people. And that's what I want to get my college degree. And that's what I want to do. Let me tell you, they've heard the word. They've heard the call. And they've responded to it. And their lives are changed and they're going to help change the world. I tell you what I talked to them about in my commencement address. You've heard this story, most of you. I'm going to tell it again. You've heard me tell it on television, a little spot. I've told it so many times, so many places that I get credit for it now and it's not my story, it never was. It didn't originate with me and I never took credit for it, but I've, a lot of people attribute it to me uh, now. But it came from a Midwestern newspaper, Lost and Found column. You remember the story? Midwestern newspaper, Lost and Found column. It made its way 
to Johnny Carson who read it on The Tonight Show. Reader's Digest picked it up and printed it in one of the Reader's Digest editions and that came to my house and Martha read it to me one day. It's indelibly imprinted on my mind. And I thought of it again when I thought of Brownie, now Lazarus, who has been raised from the dead. And this story is about a dog. Lost and found column, Midwestern newspaper, I quote, lost, dog, brown fur, some missing due to mange, blind in one eye, partially deaf, limps due to recent automobile accident, slightly arthritic, answers to the name of Lucky. Lucky. <laughs> You're right. They've made plaques of that, stickers of that. And I said that to those kids yesterday. I said, you know something? I'm a lucky dog. I'm a lucky dog. And you're a lucky dog. And all of us are lucky dogs. Why? The reason that dog was lucky was because people loved him. And they advertised to get him back. They spent money to get that mangy, scroungy, flea-bitten, crippled dog back home. They spent money for him. They loved him. And I said, that's what God did. He didn't spend money. He spent his son. That's how much he loves us. We've been run over by life. We've hurt ourselves or we've been hurt by others. We may be more than slightly arthritic. We may have all kinds of problems. Listen, you are a lucky dog because God loves you and he loves you so much that he came in person to deliver the message and to call your name outside the grave of your own postponement, outside the grave of your own delaying, Come on, come on, give your heart to me, respond to me, give your life to me, and I'll loose you from all of those habits and hurts that have been infringing upon your freedom, and I will deliver you and set you free and take you to a party where we will celebrate the King of joy, the King of life, Jesus Christ himself. Lucky dog. Come on, join this church today. Put your faith and trust in Christ. If you want to belong, join from some other church, you just come. Doesn't make any difference when or where you belong. If you want to belong here, you don't have to have any record or any piece of paper or anything. We're interested in you. You just come. Come just as you are. You're welcome here. We'll be honored to have you. Not a perfect person in this church. We're all lucky. Not because we've been good, but because God is. Not because we've done good, but because Jesus done good. He done real good. He came to save us. So you trust him, come. Let's stand and let's sing.